Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improviser from New York. And yeah, we got a show coming up, but we'll save that for the plugs at the end. Uh, we're giving our best to the wonderful Chelsea Bennington, who ain't with us today. But that's all right, because back on the show as our guest host is wonderful performer, improviser, stand-up, straight hustler, OG, professional war- warrior. Uh, pronouns are she, them, and that's a wonderful thing, because it's 2022. You're going to be called whatever the fuck you like, and I'm going to respect that. My government name is Richard, and I really don't like when anybody calls me that. It actually leaves me confused. So, you know, I say call me Rick, and people do. So I'm going to call uh, Amanda them because I love her, and she's a wonderful lady person. Amanda Stafford, back on the show. Hello, Amanda. Thank you, Rick. Nice to be back. Yeah. How you doing today? Am I too wordy? I'm sleep deprived, so things are going to get weird. Oh, you know, listen, I have myself... Um, a morning toke. I have a coffee. I have a, a meal shake. This is the 2022 diet. I'm ready. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I had a hamburger that I didn't cook last night for dinner uh, because I took advantage <laughs> of crafty and catering. And you know, when you're on the shoot and then they order pizzas uh, after you've been there like 12 plus hours, it's like, oh, there's no end in sight. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that happened as well. <clears throat> so now you're just like pizza is the last thing I want for breakfast because I had it not only, you know, twelve hours ago. I didn't bring any slices home, no. Uh, but I, I did get to take advantage of one of the shortest commutes I've had in a really long time, uh, oh. as the shoot was at Queens College. So I didn't even need to get on the highway. I took side streets the whole way home. Uh, yes. moving, shaking, you know, like James Brown singing Sex Machine. Can't account at all. Like that. <laughs> I love the short commute for you, too. That's that's the sexiest thing that I've heard in a while. Yeah, man. <sighs> you ain't seen nothing. Because usually they send me <laughs> out uh, to Brooklyn, which isn't geographically far, but it'll take a long time uh, oh, yeah. to get back home from. Or way the fuck upstate or to remote areas of Long Island where you're going in the pre-dawn hours and you're like, where they're sending me is not a place. I do not see a place. This is not <laughs> real. Uh, I watch a lot of horror movies, so today is the day I die. Um, and that hasn't happened yet, so I guess I'm surviving uh, in a roundabout mm-hmm. kind of way. But speaking of horror, this, this idea popped in my head. Because there are always great debates. Uh, and it's not arguing, at least not from my point of view. I'm genuinely curious about the opinions of people that I respect, whether I agree with them or not. We can disagree with somebody and still respect them and love them and just go, all right, cool. You know, that, that ain't for me. Um, like, you know, like Amanda having, having a shake and a joke. I ain't mad at you. That means there's more for you because I'm not trying to get any of that. So you don't have to share, and that's a beautiful thing. So you can you can have as much of it as you want. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I truly think it just enhances my critical thinking, and I really like to pull things apart 
especially when it comes to art and horror and things that I really enjoy, uh, you know, so you can really see it from two different perspectives. You've got the sober mind, right, where you're taking it in, but then you also have a very analytical high mind that catches small details. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I never thought about that before, but the way that person you know, was foreshadowing in that previous, like you catch stuff and you go, oh yeah. So I like to kind of analyze in a few different ways. So I I made a pretty banging list. I got to say like some of my favorites from back in the day, some more recent stuff, all great. Yes. Yes. So as, as you can see from the description on your device, today's topic is either or, and we came up with a list and we're going to choose from it. Um, And that's all I told Amanda. So she came up with, whatever she came up with. And I tried to go a little bit broad in my thinking, a little bit narrow for some of them. I'm curious if we're going to have any overlap because we did not discuss this mm-hmm. in advance uh, past the idea. Uh, but great minds think alike. So I think there might be a possibility. And if not, it's going to be a fun conversation. And you are the guest host and also uh, a lady, she, them. So I'm going to... Uh, have you go first in the name of chivalry? Uh, oh, I'm and, not a lady. Don't worry. Don't worry. You can go first. I personally. It's, it's just how I, I was raised. Mind. Well, uh, I'll take it away then only out of uh, sheer interest of just wanting to get this one off the top. I yes. really love witch movies, right? Like I love stuff about witchcraft and I don't know about you, but for me growing up, the movie the craft was so big for me i thought that like i truly identified with these young angsty teens um that just wanted to be seen and loved and heard Uh, but you know so they really kind of delved into witchcraft and formed a coven and of course they had their own teen drama as as would be in a high school so i love that this story related to me then but looking at it now, I still find so much that I like. Um, and I want to see what your opinion is of the craft or the witch. Ah, uh, see, there's a, there's a slight overhang on one of mine, and we'll get to that. Um, the craft uh, has a very special place in my heart. Maybe not uh, for the same reasons. Uh, that you do, uh, but you know I'm along in the tooth motherfucker uh, who <laughs> went to Catholic school in the oh, yeah. early 90s and then yeah. shortly thereafter uh, dating young goth women, uh, several of whom identified as Wicca. That's why there's a special place in my heart for the craft. Um, I recently found out that the the newest craft movie was directed by Zoe Lister-Jones. So that that's definitely pushing me towards getting around to watching that because I liked her uh, and her yeah. movie, if I recall correctly, it's called How It Ends. It was a really good pandemic disaster movie, but not in the way you're thinking. Um, <laughs> it was filmed during the lockdown, so the streets are very empty. And it's just this gal oh. talking to her younger self on a day that a meteor is supposed to hit the earth and destroy it. Uh, and it's very funny and very touching. And there's a lot of uh, great people in it. So I'm eager to see what she did with the craft for the Bloom House. But if I got to choose between the two, I'm going with the witch. Uh, or if you want to mm-hmm. uh, quote it by the poster, the vivitch. 
um, the witch. The witch, because of uh, the kids. I usually hate kids mm. in horror movies. Um, I don't like kids in general, but especially in horror <laughs> movies, they rarely ever feel truly at risk, and that lowers the stakes for me. So the fact that the mm. kids didn't make it, and that younger brother's speech Spoiler. as he's dying. That movie's been out a while. I'm not, we, I think we've <laughs> talked about it before on the podcast. A motherfucker should have seen it by now. And if you hadn't seen it, I don't believe anybody <laughs> avoids seeing a movie because something gets spoiled for them. But you got a great cast, and Anna Taylor oh, so Joy good. is in there. And for a a24 movie and a folk horror movie it's one of the ones that i quote a lot from you know i mm. need the witch of the woods and would thou like to live deliciously, deliciously. i i i, I oh. do that all the time whereas the craft i don't uh quote as much uh oh man i uh, constantly do we are the weirdos mister that, like, that, that makes he's sense. sorry he's sorry oh he's sorry <laughs> like god both of these are very quotable i will say mm. shit so so if you had to choose which one you lean towards i don't know now that we're talking about it because you're like you know again from a quotability standpoint i'm like both of these really nailed it and for sure they both had scary parts in it mm-hmm um the survivor in me really loves the craft also for the fact that like the the main protagonist uh you know she isn't she's not trying to use witchcraft to harm anybody she's using it to like right wrongs in the end and like fix this friendship group that really fucked her and um you know there's this this idea of doing harm to none um which I love. And I feel like that's a, a sort of discussion point in The Witch, right? Where it's like, is she harming her brother or her family? Like, what happened? There's, there's kind of an unspoken um, misunderstanding of, is it this witch in the woods? Is it, uh, you know, this witch, this young witch in the family who's being outcast? Um so I think that the feminism elements are very prescient in both. <sighs> for a purely horror standpoint, the witch, for sure. I was about to ask, does the animal lover uh, tip in you tip the scales towards the witch because of Black Phillip? Oh, I mean, also, you know, my husband's name is Philip. I, I think Black Phillip is um, a really cool and spooky element. Um, I love the name. And uh, I think that the more I watched The Witch, I found different impressions each time. Like at first I was really annoyed that you don't really see the devil in the end, right? You see this shadow and it, uh, you know, cast with shadows and candlelight in a tent. And you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. But I think that it really adds more to the mystique of it all. And it feels like the devil could be anything. It could be, mm-hmm. he could look like, uh, they could look like whatever they could you know, be the handsome movie star or whoever you have in your head, or they could be some sort of like weird goat person creature. Like or, I, I like to imagine it now. Or since, you know, your husband's name is Philip, you can just 
picture him as the devil behind Anna, Anna Taylor Joy, and then you know the movie ends shortly thereafter, and you can look at him and say, "Now put on your horns and help me bring in the groceries." He's my devil and my angel. <laughs> Ain't that sweet? <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. It's a little bit Maybe. wide. Okay. Either demonic possession or subterranean monsters. If you had to choose on this day, I realize tomorrow can be different. For sure, demonic possession, and that's the Catholicism in me as well. Mm -hmm. That that will do a number on you. I find that stuff endlessly fascinating. I definitely have grown up with a lot of historical representations of demonic possession. And truth be told, like, I don't subscribe to any religion. I'm definitely not a Catholic or a Christian now. But when I see someone in the world that I'm like, this person's really, you know, going out of of their way to harm people. I'm like, is this a person who's possessed? Like, what would possess someone? Literally, like that phrase, what would possess you to do this? And I go, (gasps) (laughs) a part of me is like, I don't know. This person's being a real dick. Maybe that's the Debo. That's where my head goes. Like, maybe they're just an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I but did... I think that's the real truth of religion, right? Like, the, the devils that we're warned about are just the people acting in self-interest and, um, you know, out of a desire to harm. And I go, oh, that's that's the real devil, you know? Ain't that the truth. See, and, and it's the 12 years of Catholic school... Uh, that made me the atheist that I am today. That you know, while I enjoy <laughs> demonic possession movies uh, very much, um, I'll I'll watch the shit out of them. Uh, even though I am an atheist, that Catholic school upbringing is like I can handle the devil. You ain't got shit on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I I'll bust your head till the white meat shows, and there's nothing you can do about it. But subterranean monsters like Pennywise, like a chud. Um, I recently saw Barbarian, uh, and I highly recommend that to you, Amanda, and to anybody listening. Check that one out. Don't Google anything other than movie times. Okay. Oh, go so it's in, in theaters now. Yes. Go in as cold as you possibly can, because that's what I did, pretty much. Uh, saw a preview for it with Chelsea. She said, I want to see that. And then afterwards, she told me... Um, that the preview uh, only shows footage from the first approximately 20 minutes of the movie, which is great because later it's like, what the, where are we going with this? Uh, Because there's some zigs, some zags, some changes, little, little heel turn here and there. Um, And yeah. uh, And and so I recommend that, but I don't have a contingency for a lot of those things. I, I, you know, Pennywise, I can fuck up. I've been dealing with him for you know, over thirty years now. Uh, Chuds, eh, we'll we'll work it. Um, you know, uh, people under the stairs—they ain't that bad. It's the people upstairs you got to worry about. Uh, oh, barbarian, barbarian. Oh. I can I can figure that part out. Uh, you know, except for like you know, a door whose lock gets stuck at an Airbnb in uh, suburban Detroit. <laughs> um, oh my god. Which uh, I I think if there's only one flaw in Barbarian is there was not enough uh, Detroit-based music uh, in the soundtrack. Mm. Could have done 
with some Stooges, uh, some MC5, a little uh, Gorys, Dirt Bombs, uh, Olivia Jean, Jack White kind of thing. Uh, Danny and the Darlings. Hell yeah, they should put some of that in there too. Uh, but I digress. You know, I find that really important. Before we move on from music, I was just, uh, we just finished the most recent season of um, Reservation Dogs. And yes. we commented like, you know, Jared Kiso and uh, Taika Waititi, I believe who both are producers on the show um, or who, who've had hands in creating it, um, always pull out bangers for their projects. They just pull out the most amazing music of, you know, local artists or indigenous artists. And you're like, wow, I'm so glad that I get to watch these projects and get in, you know, introduced to other artists that you're just like, wow, I wouldn't have found you otherwise. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I agree. Good music is always really important to a soundtrack, um, even in horror, for sure. Um, yeah. And for anybody not what, watching Reservation Dogs, um, what the fuck are you uh, waiting for? It is a great show. It is hilarious. Uh, good on Hulu. Comes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll sit there with, with uh, my phone to Shazam music on a lot of TV shows and movies just to expand uh, my music collection because that's important. Uh, we need good yeah. tunes. You know, too, it's really interesting that you had mentioned it because that definitely crosses over with one of my lists. Mm. Uh I was thinking of movies that really fucked me up as a kid or like really inconvenienced me in a deep way. <laughs> I'll share. So the movie it, right. So, uh, you know, if the, I can 19... just interrupt for a second, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I have frequently joked about starting an atypical greeting card company. And now I want a <laughs> greeting card that says you really inconvenienced me in a deep way. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think about things in therapeutic terms as I talk about them with my therapist. And we're like, yeah. yeah, you know, that was, that was very rejecting of them. And like, if I could ever develop a character in, in earnest, it would just be my therapist and how gentle she is. And she'll go, you know, can I just say, uh, I want to go back to this. And I, cause I've never been that gentle person. I'm like, oh yeah, let me say this real quick. Ah. But she's uh she's so thoughtful. So I try to be really thoughtful now about how I express things. Um, Whereas that's but, just a greeting card I want to give to my uncle that I think is a jerk off. Moving on. <laughs> you deeply inconvenienced me. You, um, you we'll inconvenienced to, me uh... in a deep way. <laughs> jerk off. I would write in jerk off. <laughs> Trauma. Um, no, for sure. That's a whole conversation I was having with a friend recently about how I'd like to one day have a conversation with my my family about how they fucked me up. <laughs> but I digress. That's probably a deathbed conversation and hopefully that's a long ways off. Um, But you know, the movie it like as a kid, right. That messed me up so much about showers, (laughs) like showers and drains. Uh, I was super terrified of, uh, you know, Pennywise coming out of this drain. I'm presuming. Yes. You mean the ABC miniseries from 1990 where young Eddie Cashbrack has to shower after <laughs> gym class and uh, he's he's not open to the idea, not only because he's a hypochondriac thanks to his mom, but you know, it's awkward, you know, the, as a as a young boy, it's like, oh, I I, I I have to be in the shower with other dicks. 
being in a public shower with anyone as a an awkward teen yeah. is so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then like the shower heads are all coming out and like chasing him with this. Wa- and you're just like, ah. So then this huge clown starts busting out of this tiny, tiny drain hole, and it just ruined me. So all my showers for a lot of my formative years were really tense, right? And like, so that one for sure, I think about, and I want to compare that and see what you think about it or Pet Cemetery. Uh, Pet Cemetery. In particular, the part that fucked me the most was Gage cutting the old man neighbor's uh, Achilles heel with a scalpel. Like I used to make my bed from a foot away. Like I literally like make it like I couldn't touch the floor in front of it or because it was lava. And then I would like jump into my bed afterward. I was afraid of some, you know, brought back to life baby cutting my legs. And, and, and do you know why you did that, Amanda? Because sometimes (laughs) that is better. (laughs) There's a lot to go with. That is better. There's a lot to go with here Uh, because of the books. Uh, and because of the numerous uh, film, TV adaptations of both. Um, love the books of both. Both uh, Stephen King. Let, let, let's, just, let's just skip to the end. I'm going with it. It is my uh, favorite Stephen King novel. Um, I am terrified of clowns. Uh, mm. that, that's been a lifelong thing. Uh, both Tim Curry uh, oh. and, and Bill Sarsgaard are absolutely terrifying uh as pennywise and that oh, that yeah. that frequently it often gets to me even though like i i have had reoccurring nightmares of pennywise coming to get me and my late father showing up with a baseball bat and we just fucked that clown up so whoa shit we, these are tight dreams though yeah we just we just bust him up uh, good and proper, and go on with our day. Uh, I mean, I do love uh, Pet Cemetery, the novel, uh, the film from the '90s, which is a really straight adaptation for it. Um, uh, but the book has uh, much more details of other things uh, that were buried in the cemetery and, and came back because uh, what you bury, you own, and what you yeah. own always comes back to you um which which i really did and, and stephen king writes in that way also in it and so many other books where i can smell what he's writing about uh, just such a a fucking hell goddamn. amanda put on a clown nose and I looked at the video and it's like oh <laughs> Oh, I had to. I had. I literally was just playing with it, and I realized as we're talking about clowns and like, holy fucking shit, the universe delivers, baby. I just got like a bunch of shit laying around my house, and it's like perfect. <laughs> May I say, with with peace, love, and all the respect I can muster, please don't do that again. I don't want to just like strike <laughs> and have to apologize. Don't like in person. Don't do that. Cause, uh, oh cause, God, I won't. Because your your <laughs> husband is a nice but tall man with a reach that you know he could take me out without me getting close to it, as he should if I accidentally like reflexively go clown and then it's off and running. 
What was I saying? Yes. <laughs> For what it's worth, too, by the way, um, we both have like a, he loves pranks, but I'm like, please don't prank me because I literally might hit you. Right. So you know, I do you, understand. <laughs> you know, you might just swing um, a fucker. Yeah. But also the 2019 version of Pet Cemetery. Oh, which I, I appreciate what they were doing. And by they, I mean Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer, I think that's how you pronounce his name, um, in changing it up so that Ellie, played by Jetta Lawrence, who was great in the movie The Ranger, um, is the one that gets killed instead of Young Gage. Because you can do more with mm. a young actor than you can uh, a child actor as portrayed yeah. in the original Mary Lambert film uh, mm. by Mike Go Hughes. Or is it Miko? You know, little, little kid. Now I want to play with you. That little fuck oh. uh, that you later saw in uh, The New Nightmare. Uh, going back to, I don't like kids in movies. Um, but yeah, like that. But yes, that that Achilles severing scene of the oh. the late Fred Gwynn, aka Herman oh. Munster, um, going out like that. Yeah, it trips you out. But I'll revisit it more in mm. its numerous forms than I will uh, Pet yeah. Cemetery. Just that's fair. I think I need to see the second one, uh, the second Pet Cemetery just for the reference that you mentioned of, you know, again, gender swapping and using an older actor. But you're right, it constantly has material on the, the Bill Skarsgård film or uh, something about that, like, facial twitch. The, the, just that little mechanism in his face where he just like turns it on, Grinch style, the smile and the eyes is, is so scary. Even out of makeup. I don't, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> You, you got to understand a man that uh, the soil of a man's heart is Estonia. <laughs> I think your Halloween costume is set in stone. Didn't he? Did he also play uh, Wilson in Home Improvement? Am I thinking no, of the same actor? Not a, no. not not even a little. No. No. Okay. No. no he, I de he definitely looked like him from you know the eyes up <laughs> from here. <laughs> But Fred Gwynn's Judd Crandall, uh, mm. no, not the not the same, not the same guy. All right. Speaking of, uh, since it's my turn, and our and our just like little little fingernails width of overlap, uh, oh. we're gonna bring it back uh, to two kind of sub genres that that I like. I mean, my answer is pretty obvious, and we'll get into the reasons for those. <laughs> but if you gotta choose, and I think I know the answer before I ask it, witches or werewolves. If only for the alliteration. Mm. Well, well, well. Um, I'm gonna say witches. <laughs> I'm gonna say witches with one caveat. So if we're talking werewolves, I want them to be like Reese Darby in what we do in the shadows werewolves. Those are mm -hmm. my favorite kind because they're funny and they they're not werewolves. Yes, <laughs> I think like, so I mean, werewolf lore never really like 
super grabbed me and there's nothing wrong with it I've watched a lot of werewolf movies they're fine but which stuff I think again I really relate to for the elements of feminism and um, the historical relevancy of women being outcast from society or anyone who's not male being outcast from society when really they're just smart confident and not down to take anyone's bullshit um so probably witches all right cool fair i i agree with the witches uh because uh, for a long time i felt the werewolf genre needs a good swift kick in the ass uh because for every american werewolf in london there's a (laughs) lot of bullshit um but there was also a, a tv show way back in the early 90s called she wolf of london which I also love. So maybe we just need uh, American people to become werewolves in England, and that's the shot the army needs, even though it would seem repetitive. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel like we need some some good uh, werewolfy content, uh, more so than Wolfman, because Wolfman wears pants. Uh, but yeah, like like you mentioned, what we do in the shadows, and even something like being human back in the day uh, had some good uh, takes on the werewolf sh- subgenre. I feel that 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 tunnel's not mined enough. You know, I don't, I think maybe even too, they were further set back by the whole Twilight Saga werewolf take. Like it was very muddy and strange because they were trying to like base werewolf lore. And by they, I mean, Stephanie Meyer who wrote the trilogies. Uh, you know, for this this book series, um, which I did read when I was a youth, and they're absolute trash. And I uh, highly recommend them if you want to laugh now. But you know, it's like the, she's trying to intermingle werewolf lore with like again high school teen love drama and high school love triangle. So it's like oh, these vampires and these werewolves are triggering each other. It's like this. This doesn't need to be about how they both want to get their dicks wet, Bella. Like, this is not a story that I need for werewolves. Because now I'm thinking about the, like, sexual nature of werewolves. And I just, I don't need that imagery in my life. You know? I think that Stephanie Meyer has a lot of things that she's really got to work out um, about her animalism. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Um just the the way she would describe like Jacob becoming a werewolf and how you know the the sexual tension was still there between them like her as a human and I'm like no this is not werewolf lore we need I want he turned into a werewolf and killed a bunch of people and his severed and tattered pants are somewhere in a field like that that to me is is the good shit I don't need teen drama in, in that case, can I recommend uh, one of the best werewolf movies in years? And and there are others like Ginger Snaps. You would definitely dig Ginger Snaps because it mm. uh, compares uh, young lady puberty with lycanthropy, which is good. But if you want some big, dumb fun, Wolf Cop, it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> and if you want to talk mm. about one of the most erotic love scenes that I've ever seen, uh, after you see like some wolf dick explode earlier in the movie um, uh, of of our our hero Lou Guru, I see what they did there. Uh, engage in a love scene with some really great '80s saxophone. I'm talking Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street kind of saxophone during this love scene. 
Yeah, yeah. All, right. all, all cops may be bastards, but not necessarily wolf cops. <laughs> a cop with an addendum. Right. Just this cop is good. Right. Now, the sequel <laughs> is a Christmas movie, and it can suck balls. But that's a different story. That's actually amazing, though, that this horror movie created a Christmas franchise. I gotta say, that's pretty gutsy. Very gutsy. Very gutsy indeed. Not for me, but that's because I hate Christmas. If you like Christmas and you like werewolves, check it out. Okay. What you got for me? For my next one, um, and this one both are pretty near and dear to my heart. So I, it's, it's a tough one. Um, the exorcist or poltergeist exorcist. No question. I ain't even got to think about it. Um, Why is that? There are a lot of rumors and, and they've been disputed mm. that Steven Spielberg directed a large part of poltergeist long been, since been disputed. He was producer. He was on set while waiting to go direct E.T. But Poltergeist was directed by Toby Hooper. It does not feel like, to me, like it was directed by Toby Hooper. It Mm. feels like it was directed by Steven Spielberg uh, Mm. because of the emphasis on family in the 1980s and that these kids are not really at risk even though some some there's some good scares in the movie i prefer the remake that came out a few years ago uh Mm -hmm. with sam rockwell but that's me uh you can call me a horror heathen if you want to that's fine the exorcist however Mm. choppily edited as it may be still works because you have that sound of bees in the sound of the movie to make you feel uneasy. You got Pazuzu's big demon dick to make you feel uneasy. (laughs) When they added, in the version you've never seen before, those flash images of Pazuzu, that makes you feel uneasy. The fact that there's a little girl going through these changes who comes out and looks at an astronaut like, you're going to die up there and then pisses herself. And you know, that, that instantly improves a party with a priest attending in my opinion, and a drunken guy <laughs> looking at the, uh, the butler saying, you know, like, you cunting hun or things of that nature. Uh, the one like it's very quotable. Like, do you know what she did? Your cunting daughter. Uh, all the time I'm doing that. You know, like, you, you, you've got, uh, Damien Karras, who loves his mom, even though, again, it's choppily edited. Where are we going with this? But it's all built and built to the culmination of that exorcism at the end, where Max von Sydow, even though he is made up so much in that movie, eventually grew into that old man. And that's why I think he was 80 years old after the Seventh Seal, and he just looked like <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Father Marin for the rest of his life. It is such a great film, and I I think all the points you made make a lot of sense. And number one in that, I think Poltergeist does feel very much like it is directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, number one, you said the emphasis emphasis on family, but even in the visual lighting effects, 
um, you know, things being sucked into the closet and the, um, you know, the use of fans and, and cloth and lights. Um, it was very much, it feels very much like um, Raiders of the Lost Ark in that way, right? Like very much in the same kind of tactics he used. Uh, I, I did feel that. And when you see like he's a producer on the film, you go, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, Philip and I watched it again recently. And I mean, it definitely holds up. I think it definitely is scary. Um, it's emotionally uh, focused. And I like that kind of stuff. So I do love Poltergeist. Um, there's also, of course, all of the lore that exists around its making and the mm -hmm. potential curses. And I think, you know, all that stuff's really fascinating. So there's a lot of nuance to Poltergeist. But I do love The Exorcist because of, like you said, just the, the almost isolating nature of the elements. You're in this bedroom, right? And on a, a street. So you don't have much context for setting other than this room and these beads and the... This, the hushed conversation between the priests and, you know, the, the quiet conversations between this demon and the priest. So it's like, you're going through all of this, this experience in such an isolated small space, but it is so present and it's so scary in that way. So like you said, as, as choppily edited as it was, the, the, the way it made you feel the evocation of, that fear, especially as a former Catholic, you're like, holy shit. Mm. Like, it's very heavy. Um, so, you know, and I think to the special effects that they were using at the time, I, I love making a visit to the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens, New York, yes. because um, there are some, some set pieces and um, costumes from the film there that when you see it and you read about it, you're just like, wow, this was really revolutionary for the time. And again, it was very um, evocative for just small elements but um, really a, a big impact and I love seeing it recommend that museum to anyone they got yeah they got a full-on Reagan uh, in there next to the large uh, blow up of Freddy's chest where the souls would come yes. through uh, and you know if that's not your thing you can there's all kinds of props and wardrobes and things like that you can see the evolution of film throughout the ages uh, right now they got a Walking Dead uh, exhibit yes. and they got a big Jim Henson exhibit, so you can get a oh. motherfucking Muppet on. Uh, most recently, I went there for the Festival du Khan, being a James Khan oh. film festival, uh, <laughs> and we saw um, Harold and Walter go to New York, in which he and Elliot Gould play vaudevillian shim uh, sham men, uh, and Michael Caine is a gentleman thief that just charmed the pants off of me. Yes, I walked out of the theater naked. Um, <laughs> and they asked you to never come back again. <laughs> I am no longer allowed in the Museum of the Moving Image. And I responded, that's much too vulgar a display of power. Bringing it back to the exorcist. See what I did there? <laughs> it's a callback. Yeah. Jeez. But now for you, uh, being someone with a little callback and a little bit of the overlap since uh, both of these uh, franchises are going to have modern day resurgences uh, either the Munsters or the Adams Family mm. um, so I, it's hard for me to say first of all I haven't seen the previews yet for the Munsters but the friends I have who have seen it have said this looks dumb as hell 
Um, and for context, I'm not a Rob Zombie fan. Like I, you know, I think that he's more of the torture porn variety and that's never really sat well with me. Um, however, I think that looking at the photos of the makeup and the set and all that, I'm like, wow, like all of that looks great. And Rob Zombie always nails like the costuming and the sets and all of that's always really intense. So I'm like, looks good. But as from a standpoint for both like horror, but also family i love the adams family i love um angelica houston uh huston rather in the adams family and um and you know that relationship that's displayed i think that that always felt to me more impactful than the monsters i didn't really have an emotional connection to that growing up other than like my older relatives would watch it you know in black and white and I would happen to be there, but the Adams family was something that grew and had different iterations throughout, you know, my childhood and I'm sure yours too. So you're like, okay, this one's kind of morphed over time, but it always stayed relevant. Um, I would definitely be down to see the new iteration, but I don't think it would ever like replace like the OG ones for me. Um, obviously too, with Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams, like that's, that's the pinnacle for me. Cool. You know. cool. I, I I dig that. I respect that. Um, I disagree. For me, it's always been the monsters. Really? Always. Tell me monsters. more. I can break it down. It, it starts real simply and possibly stupidly. It's the theme song. Right, <laughs> right from jump. I'm like, this is a better song than that one. So the, the Adam Tan family has snaps in it. It's interactive. The, the, there's something gr that that the Monsters theme song gets me in the groove of things. That yes, you have this, uh, even though he was played by John Aston back in the day, and 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 Raúl Julia, you know, took it and cranked it up to eleven of this Hispanic weirdo who <laughs> loves his wife. Very He's much frequently Definitely. makes it weird and he don't give a fuck uh, about such things. Um, but again, the, the, the misfit aspect of the monsters resonated with me more, even the other mm. little, little wolf child, Eddie and Marilyn being the normal looking one, her being the weirdo, but loved anyway. And also your gr grandpa Al Lewis with his fucking bullshit and, smoke <laughs> and what have you so um i will check out rob zombies and monsters eventually like you said his set design is always the stellar thing of yeah. all of his films even if they are not to your taste in subject matter he yeah. does so much to bring the the locations uh, a yeah. level of authenticity that, you know, sometimes will fall by the wayside. And I appreciate that as a set dresser, that's like, oh yeah, this yeah. blood is looking big time, but I'm not expecting that in the monsters because that's not that kind of story. But I get it with, you know, much like, you know, uh, Gomez and Morticia, Rob and Sherry just cuddling up for decades, watching the monsters on the couch and then finally getting to do your own thing about it. Uh, I'm curious about what kind of love he's putting into that stew. You know, that is a good point. Cause I think too, this definitely deviates from the Rob zombie that I'm used to. And the, you know, again, isn't very palatable for me, 
So I think I'm very interested to see it for the fact that it looks like such a departure from the things that normally deter me from him. Yeah. Um, but it, I am it, going into it expecting a Rob Zombie kind of tilt to the story. Yeah. If if it starts turning into 31, I will not be happy. But <laughs> House of a Thousand Monsters. But if for anything else, you've got Cassandra Peterson in it. And yeah. she's a fucking icon. Uh, how can you not roll the dice on Elvira? I gotta tell you too, her coming out has been just so fantastic. I think that I have like become a bigger Elvira fan mm-hmm. for the fact that like she really, you know, honed and protected this brand as an actor who was like, you know, I want to like do campy horror, but I also used to go-go dance. And so she's been able to really kind of pursue all of her passions. And now she can openly, you know, be excited about the passion and love that she has with her 19 year, you know, life partner, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, she dated a king. And, and having fa- come out now. She dated the king yeah. and then found love, mama. Taking care of business. Yeah. In a flash. 19 years. And I mean, think about how hard that is to like, when you love somebody as you do, it's hard not to talk about them in general conversation, right? Um, I definitely talk about my husband too much. So imagine being Cassandra Peterson, having an amazing lesbian life partner that you've been with for so long, but you can't even admit out loud publicly that this is your partner. Mm. So, I mean, again, I want to go see it for her involvement um, as well. And also to just see what they do with this project. I'm, I'm curious. No, I can, I can get that. Sometimes it's like, you know, if that person wishes to remain anonymous, like similarly, yeah. like Dolly Parton's husband isn't uh, known about publicly. Uh, my beautiful yeah. lady, I refer to as beautiful lady because she can be Googled and, you know, I, I shouldn't be saying her name on a podcast where I say some outlandish shit if she's trying yeah. to uh, do something uh, in her career for the betterment of humanity. So I just refer to her as beautiful lady, which is real easy to do because it's applicable. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not, it's like, it's always true and it respects that person's boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think that's totally great. Right. I love it. I mean, it gets to the point that there have been like some people uh, as you know, improvising in our spooky doing show. When I introduce them, they're like, "Oh, you're a beautiful lady." I don't even know your fucking name. <laughs> Just know that you're beautiful and you're a lady, and you know, and, Rick and, was and, telling the truth. And then they meet and they have the name. And it's like, okay, they, they have the face to go with it, and it's like, all right, here we go. So hit me with what you got next. Yeah, my next one is a tough one because I have a couple that like really. God, they're so they're all great. This whole list is great, but this one is interesting because it's made by two very problematic directors. Oh boy. Um and there's a lot of controversy around both of these films. Now I'd like to preface by saying I am of the mind that two things can be true at once, right? You true. can acknowledge that these films and the directors who made them were abusive and they used abusive tactics to get the films and the performances that they wanted. Um, which is regrettable and I, I don't think is a good practice that should be allowed on set. But I do think that these films are incredible. I think that they pushed the bar on what was possible and the storytelling is impeccable. But again, it was at great cost to some of the actors on set. Rick, would you choose The Shining 
or Rosemary's Baby? Ah, that's easy. Um, the Shining. That that that's mm. that's really it. Rosemary's Baby. Um, it's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion, I've watched it. It's kind of inadvertent, funny in a lot of mm -hmm. ways of the story. Definitely should be remade, in my opinion, uh, by yeah. a female director, preferably, yeah. uh, who could kind of modernize uh, what women go through in a patriarchy, especially with pregnancy, if, oh, you're being hysterical. Because fucking... You ladies got it rough. Uh, and yeah, that no shit, Rick. Uh, everybody knows that. But I, I, I see the whole insidious nature of, you know, are, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? Like, that's all you're fucking good for. And it's not. It, it, there, there's so much more to humanity regardless of gender. But to have that closing in in that movie by a dude who's a fucking tiny weirdo uh, and criminal mm -hmm. on top of that. So fuck Roman yeah. Polanski in the neck. So yeah, absolutely. not only the, the Stephen King uh, connection uh, to The Shining, uh, love the book more than the movie uh, because uh, I agree with Stephen King's assessment of that film. Stephen King's novel wrote Jack Torrance as a decline into madness caused by uh, the Overlook Hotel manipulating yeah. his alcoholism. And Kubrick's like, oh, fucking Jack is just going to jack this whole movie. Uh, and you've got <laughs> Shelley Duvall uh, in there wow. as uh, 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 and being uh, basically run through the ringer needlessly uh, by Stanley Kubrick because uh, that's his style, which definitely questionable, definitely a dick move if uh, he was walking around still and Shelley Duvall wanted to hit him with a brick. I don't see nothing. But yeah, you know, <laughs> same, same. I think you know too. Me. Every time that we do a watch of The Shining, we always take like a moment to recognize the you know the shit that Shelley Duvall went through on that set, and it it ultimately developed mental illness in her, and now she um, really struggles with you know mental stability and emotional stability. Um, so, it, you know, and as an actor, I just can't imagine that any film or any project is important enough to cost your mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so for sure, fuck Stanley Kubrick. And even his daughter has come out and said as much. He, you know, she's like, it's very disappointing to see, um, you know, different, um, you know, TV stations and uh, different media outlets, like posting interviews of her in a, in a not well state. And so there's an acknowledgement that get like working this hard to get a performance out of someone by torturing them and gaslighting them. Um, it has devastating impacts, right? It's not just a job. It's not just, mm -hmm. you know, in service of this project, this was a real person. Uh, if she is a real person with real feelings and real consequences that she lives with now. So every time we watch this amazing film, um, you know, we always try to acknowledge that even though it's great, it really had, some devastating implications for the real people who who created it. Um, but 
But that said, it really is one of those films. You can truly see the terror that she's experiencing, um, which is hard to watch, I will say, knowing what she went through. But the the uh, cinematic aspects, right? Like the swinging of the, the axe, right? And the camera following that, like the franticness of that. And then seeing her in the corner on the receiving end, like something about that, that swinging scene was just so impactful and it just shows the urgency of that moment and how isolated she was. And again, I think it's masterful, but um, I do hope it, it could be remade with a better director with better directing abilities. Uh, <laughs> Stephen King also did an ABC miniseries of that. That was his, his version of it closer to the novel. And I think the problem is that, that, uh, everybody associates Jack Torrance with Jack Nicholson now. Um, and even yeah. though this isn't a director, I do love this story because uh, it's more about method acting and not a director being a dick. But it is applicable in this case as well if it should have been directed at Stanley Kubrick. Uh, is that uh, Dustin Hoffman came in doing the marathon man, sleep deprived and unshaven and you know going for method. And Lawrence Olivier just looks and goes, have you tried acting, dear boy? <laughs> and yeah, everybody's got a different kind of process to, to do their thing. But you know, like, definitely, uh, as, as someone that came up with an improv show, I'm, I'm protective of my people. I want everybody to feel comfortable and have a good time. Because that's how these talented people keep coming back. And yeah. making the show great and inadvertently making me look great. I'm not the funniest person in our fucking show. But it's a collaboration. It, and when you have one person showing up rested and fed and ready to work and one mm -hmm. person's like, oh, I was out on an all night bender because I'm supposed to be a spaz. And it's like, yeah, you are. And we hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Go take a shower and a nap. <laughs> Wash your ass, America, in the words of Red Fox. All right. <laughs> now, this is a broad one, but uh, I like it. Land animal horror or water animal horror? Which would you prefer? Ooh, as, ooh, as, right. as an animal lover? So if we're talking land animal horror, like, like Anaconda Some, or like Jaws. Oh, no, Jaws Grizz, would be like Jaws water. is water. Something like Grizzly, <laughs> for example. Grizz, okay. You know what's crazy? Like, I'm for sure scared of bears. Like, mm -hmm. I love them. I have a fearful or, a, you know, a an average fearfulness of bears because they'll fucking tear you up, right? right. So. But, now, granted, Grizzly is Jaws with a bear. There, there's no question about it. <laughs> It's like, Jaws is successful. Get us one of those. But a shark would look like we're ripping it off. Put a bear in. Cool. And coincidentally, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, the sequel to Grizzly, which sat on a shelf for 35 fucking years, despite having Laura Dern and Charlie Sheen and George Clooney in the opening scene, when the bear gets electrocuted, they actually put in footage from the shark getting electrocuted in Jaws 2 at the end of Grizzly 2. It is insane. They're just like, recycle this one. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. But but Grizzly, okay. seeing that the first time in a drive-in, made it a classic in my heart, if no one else's. I mean, 
So like thinking about it as we're talking about it, I'm like grizzly bears and, you know, land animals, for sure there's a fear there that I acknowledge and a reverence, right? But like, I think that my fear around not only like, you know, marine animals, but just the like inability for me to see in darker water, like that's a for sure fear I have. Because then there's an element of, of um, uncertainty of where they're going to come from, how many there are maybe beneath you. Like there's a lot that can lurk in the deep ocean that you can't, you can't know, right? But you can see typically, if you're seeing person, you can see a land animal coming and you can make plans, you can make, you know, you can think on your feet, but if you don't know what's in the water, it's hard to make a plan. That's my I- answer. Marine dwellers. I agree with that 100%. Same (laughs) thing. I can't see what's coming beneath me in the water, which I'm not in my element. So be it the shark from Jaws, be it Piranha, be it Ramon from Alligator. Yes, the alligator in (laughs) Alligator has a name. That name is Ramon. That movie and its subsequent sequel are fucking awesome. I'm going to have to put that on my list as a, you know, a born and bred Floridian with my own stories of literally being in the water with gators. I can confirm it's so scary. Coincidentally, I believe alligator starts in the state of Florida and that explains so much, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, I mean, people literally are like, Oh, do you guys just have alligators everywhere? And like, sometimes, yeah. yeah, they literally, if you have a body of water near your, your home or apartment, they'll for sure potentially walk up to your front door, your backyard. Um, I briefly lived off the river with friends in Florida. Um, unfortunately the place, you know, flooded and, and eventually we all had to move, but, um, we lived off the river and gators would frequently come up and they would, you know, get very close and comfortable with, my roommate's dachshunds um so it's a real fear for sure but you just have to know how to behave around gators and for sure if you see one punch it in the nose if you can (laughs) like um or you know again just avoid at all costs but once you grab their their snout if you can just close it that pressure they can't open it but once they bite down on something Uh, it's 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 almost impossible to open so just don't let them get you exactly yeah, and you know they can help you with like you know, uh, I guess recyclables. Like if you got leftover like chicken bones or pizza crusts you don't want, then yeah. give it to Ramon. You've got a body to get rid of. Ramon can help you. I got a guy named Ramon. Yeah, Ramon. All right, coming into the home stretch. Your last one, you ready? Amanda. I'm ready. Give me. All right. So also near and dear, and uh, both are great. So it's hard to say. The Thing by John Carpenter or Alien. Both great. Easy. I got to go with The Thing. Uh, Master of John Carpenter. Uh, A great score by Ennio Morricone. Um, Obviously, Alien is great. Because it, it's it's a it's a horror movie set in space, and I've spoken yeah. about this on the podcast before. I love how it's about a corporation trying to <laughs> fuck their employees when they should be in quarantine, and the only ones speaking out about how their lives are more important than money are the space janitors, played by Yafet Koto and Harry Dean Stanton. It's the play to the space janitors 
fuck the corporation. You're going to try to fuck us out of our bonus by putting our lives on the line. Um, eat a bag of space sticks. But the thing <laughs> is so great with, with Kurt Russell, mostly oh. clean-shaven Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Keith, Keith David being smooth. Amazing. Motherfucker. Those practical effects yeah. in the thing. It, it's, it's just so one. And that ambiguous ending of, you know, are, are they? Aren't they? Who knows? What have you? Yeah. yeah. There's no ladies in the movie. Okay. Got to go to. The, 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 but, you know, ladies are smart enough not to go to fucking Antarctica and just hang out for way too long. I wouldn't want to Number do that. One. I don't like the cold. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was like you're in the most drastic of conditions. And now you have to contend with literally this thing that could take over anybody so then there's the unknown elements and suspicion and like the paranoia that exists around that film i think is of course the real horror that's the mm -hmm. the other in the scene it's not even the thing it's the feeling about the thing right and that i think is very scary especially when you're in isolating conditions where you can't just readily leave because you leave you die mm -hmm. right so but you, if you also stay you die and the thing wants to leave in order to not die what yeah. what about you between those two which which you're uh, going with? hard to say too because you know uh i loved the thing growing up that was one i watched with my dad and uh i was much too young to watch it so it made an impression um but i loved it and i loved uh, you know, Kurt Russell, I watched a lot of Kurt Russell stuff growing up. So young Kurt Russell holds a near and dear place in my heart. Um, as does just, you know, his haircut and that time. It's just classic. But I also love an alien, right? You have this, this, uh, you know, one crew and really the only people, like you said, are um, the space janitors and you have, um, you know, Sigourney Weaver, these are the only intelligent people on this crew who are realizing you can't just take risks in space. Like it's space. Okay. If you make a risk and it's a bad calculation, you literally are dead. So when it's like, we don't, you know, you, you have a crew that isn't unanimous and it's agreement to not bring alien eggs and, you know, things onto the ship or, um, you know, not quarantine again, uh, or not skip quarantine when you don't listen to the smart people in charge, uh, as we've seen during even this pandemic, for example, it has devastating consequences. And the people who suffer the most are the people who are like, hey, please don't do that. So the horror aspect there feels a little bit uh, timely. I'm going to say alien in this case, because I think it's constantly relatable. Yes. Um, it it did and again, I just love seeing Sigourney thrive. <laughs> it did take on new life in a pandemic. You are correct. Yeah. Uh, and to see a xenomorph do jazz hands uh, as part of the big <laughs> reveal is also great. All right. Amazing, now, yeah. now for the last one, gonna gonna Thank throw you a little bit uh, of uh, a curveball. Uh, I just made a baseball reference. Write that down. That never happens. Uh, <laughs> gonna hoodwink you because there are three options. We all have stuff that makes us cringe in horror. Mm. Uh, things that are unpleasant to look at. So I'm going to ask three of those things 
And if you got to choose one, what, what, which one to you is the least unpleasant uh, or the most pleasant of these unpleasant things? Okay. Eye trauma, teeth trauma, or fingernail trauma? <sighs> okay. All of them made me ick just now, for sure. <laughs> Um, because I have very specific like examples from films that fucked me, right? Like fingernails. Uh, I think about the ring in the video mm -hmm. where someone's nail goes through, or like their fingernail is pushed up by smashing their finger or their thumbnail onto a nail. So I'm like, no, absolutely makes me want to barf and die. Um, but then I think about I saw the the eye as a kid. Um, I've since watched the Jessica Alba version, but something about eyes, right? And seeing the unseen suddenly. Um, I don't know if you'd consider that the same kind of trauma as you're saying, maybe like trauma to the eye. I think the gushiness mm -hmm. of that is really gross, but maybe aches me less than fingernails. And then teeth. I think teeth stuff probably. Uh, I saved it for last because I wanted to get there the least. So eyes make me the least icky teeth makes me the most bleh, because I had trauma to my teeth as a kid um, mm -hmm. which by the way truly is horrific yes. uh, you only get you get two sets of these bones and when mm -hmm. you lose your adult set you're like well this is dreadful um, I ironically don't really have dreams about losing teeth or anything but when I see it in films or on TV I always kind of look away and like whoever I'm watching it with I'm like oh my god please just tell me when it's done like if they're like pulling out teeth with pliers or mm -hmm. something I'm like no no I can't Ugh. all right what about you um I'm going with the eye trauma uh because because that uh, there's the part of me in my head that knows a lot of makeup and if you ever watch Lucio Fulci's zombie uh which I recommend mm -hmm because you find out what happens when a zombie faces a shark. Um, <laughs> and and to see zombies on the Brooklyn Bridge is also great. There is a very long and very slow shot where a zombie is pulling a blonde woman's head towards this enormous, jagged piece of wood, and her eye is getting closer and closer. And it's so slow oh. and tense. And then finally, when it sticks... It's like, all right, I know that's not real. Whereas in a lot of other movies, the, the fingernail and teeth, if you could see the look on Amanda's face right now, uh, <laughs> she looks really uneasy. Um, a lot of like fingernail or teeth uh, effects uh, are so well done that like it really bothers. Even like, you know, as just a human, you'd think at 46 years of age, I would have figured out this whole having a mouth thing by now. But every once in a while, like <laughs> when my teeth scrape against each other the wrong way, I'm just like, oh, I don't like that. Why is it in me? Because I <laughs> chew stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, like as, as a kid, you know, before I could dress myself, my parents were like, put on these sandals. It's a summer day. And then I'd kind of like break a toenail running around like a feral dirt child in the 80s that's not fun so yeah eyes are the way to go for me to watch in a horror movie they are the least disturbing in these yeah. uh disturbing kind of things so yeah sorry to make you feel uneasy at the end but you know you gotta have a big finish 
in my opinion. So wait, wait, what is your, so eyes are your least yeah. traumatizing. What's yeah. the one that, of those three that you hate the most? Mm, probably fingernails. Fingernails. Okay. Yeah. Did that scene in the ring also hit home for you? Uh, like it's a literal like second clip, but you're like, <laughs> I don't think it was long enough for me mm. uh, to for it to resonate. There have been other films where like someone's getting dragged by yeah. something, and then like there's fingernails in the floorboard or things <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, that that resonates more than the ring specifically. Yeah. But that's that's a very interesting that we both have like pretty big memories about <laughs> around that specific like sensory trauma. That's the wonder of horror. And you know, we can share that with our friends and get through it. And you know, I always say when people feel squeamish watching horror movies, just picture a bunch of people that look like me on the other side of the camera waiting to move stuff around and do it again <laughs> so you you ain't gotta be so scared because it's just grown folk making pretend and getting paid for it that's the best isn't it though isn't it though speaking of grown folk making pretend uh we have mm -hmm. a show at the magnet Ooh. theater on sunday october 30th uh we are kind of like the misfits of improv and that the misfits would only do concerts on Halloween, allegedly. And uh, so, until we find a new home, that's us. <laughs> that's what we're doing with improv. And Amanda will be there on the stage. Uh, last year, she dressed up like David Bowie from Labyrinth. And if I may be a little bit vulgar, your dick print was humongous. <laughs> oh, I honestly still look back at photos of that with admiration. Um, but, you know, that's how I look at David Bowie and Labyrinth in general. And yeah. Just David Bowie, rest in peace. Uh, right on, right on. So where can the people find you if they want to find you? Uh, if they want to find me, they can follow my Instagram at Phoenix Smizing. And that is S-M-I-Z-I-N-G. Um, or they can uh, you know, check out my website, amandastafford.com. Um, I will have some updates coming soon on my website. And yeah, as Rick said, I will uh, be doing spooky doings october 30th right at the magnet theater tickets are available now um they're not requiring vaccination but i'd like it if you, if you come vaccinated yeah. and wear a mask because you know i want uh everybody to get out of there healthy because there's going to be hugging there's going to be kissing there's going to be murder oh, there's going to be laughing yes. uh it's going to be a great time uh so yeah check out spooky doings improv on facebook for all the details spooky doings on instagram i'm at red cousin 718 on to Tweety. Um, and yeah, so Amanda, thank you for being on the show, talking to me, asking wonderful questions as a fantastic guest host. Because it's always a pleasure talking to you because you're fucking awesome, in case nobody told you this morning. You're fucking awesome. Thank you for having me. And we do miss Chelsea, but it was absolutely fun to wear her shoes today. Are you living in her walls? Uh, no, but I just have a pair of her shoes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Broads. Anyway, <laughs> to our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, tell a friend about the show. Uh, subscribe and, and review and give us that five-star boop. It'll help us out. Um, and to everybody, stay good. Stay healthy. Stay spooky. Bye.